Now on view at SCAD Fash, Manish Aurora's Life is Beautiful. Renowned for dazzling designs and a rainbow of colors, Manish Aurora has brought the talent and craftsmanship of India's rich sartorial history to the global forefront, earning international acclaim on runways across three continents. Designing in India since the 1990s, Aurora's glittering garments celebrate extravagant expressions of self through varied materials, techniques, and silhouettes in a triumphant union of Western and Eastern aesthetics adapted to today's multicultural society with a touch of humor. Find out more at scadfash.org. Support for WABE comes from 100 Miles, a nonprofit committed to preserving Georgia's 100-mile coast. Protecting this critical coastal ecosystem takes all of us. Watch the stories of the innovators and future leaders who help keep our coast flowing at OurGeorgiaCoast.org. W-A-B-E in Atlanta. This is City Lights. I'm Lois Reitzes. Thank you for listening. According to PBS, in just four seasons of filming her show, Julia Child used a whopping 753 pounds of butter. Butter ATL is a media organization that captures the spirit of our city. Later in the program, we'll hear about the vibrant program that inspired a song called Butter ATL by the rapper Ludacris, which he described as a love letter to the city. First, the 44 Murals Project is a community undertaking that brought together local artists to create large-scale murals in West Atlanta. The creatives were given free range to beautify a warehouse complex and express themselves through their artwork. DeLeon Blakely is the curator of the 44 Murals Project, she joins me now via Zoom with the artist Melody Thomas, one of the muralists. Welcome to City Lights. How are you guys? Thank you for having us. Excited to be here. DeLeon, please tell us why you and your team selected the location on Donald Lee Hollowell Parkway in Bankhead for these murals. So we picked Bankhead specifically for the history that's behind it. For those who are not familiar with Bankhead, it is a notorious neighborhood in Atlanta, right? A lot of artists, rappers, musicians have come out of that uh, neighborhood, but it's very underpoverished. So when we were able to acquire the property, the first thing that I wanted to do is kind of treat it like the rest of Atlanta. You know, you can go to Old Fourth Ward and see art plastered everywhere. You can go downtown Atlanta and see the same thing. You can go to the more uh, established neighborhoods and just see self-expression from different artists and things like that. And I realized that Bankhead was missing that. I am originally from Chicago and I grew up very, very close to my neighbors in my neighborhood as well. Not the best neighborhood, but it was a sense of community. And that was one thing that I wanted to make sure was expressed through the property that we received and through you know the art and the artists that we connected with. So I really just went 
full-fledged and, and did an artist call, got some promo together and just reached out to the artists that I knew because I've worked with artists for several years at this point. So I reached out to my connects, got some promo going and put out a blast and a, and a call for artists to just give them free range because not only were we looking to you know, make this a community project. We also wanted the murals to speak on social change and just cultural improvement, kind of like a, hey, we're here too. Another special thing about the property is they're building the belt line behind our warehouse. So within the next few years, it's going to be a lot of traffic over there. And again, I wanted to be able to utilize this space to showcase people right here in Atlanta. We have a lot of artists who are actually from the same neighborhood who are like, we've been looking for things like this. Not everybody has, well, one, access to public transportation or cars and things like that. We receive a lot of foot traffic and we are really in the heart of residents. So I've, I've just been super, super excited and blessed to be able to work with the community on this. Not all of the murals are immediately visible from the road. Was that intentional? So it wasn't necessarily intentional, but it became intentional. It was one of those things that, like I mentioned, we do have foot traffic and a lot of cars drive by. I wanted it to be a thing where you're kind of driving by or you're walking by and you're saying like, what is this? I want to know what this is. How can I get involved? And I want to know more. And then I also wanted it to be an element of surprise. So whatever you do see while you're walking by or driving by, that's just a piece of it. You know, we have murals that extend all around the property and we're starting on murals inside of the warehouse. So it's just a cool experience. You get a little glimpse, but when you get onto the property, it's just so much more to experience. Yeah, and it seems like because of the fact that not all of the murals are visible from the road for those who want to explore the complex, they can get out and view the entire outdoor gallery. Correct. So. What we've been doing now, we host weekly events on the property. If it's not weekly, it might be two events a week where our gates are open and artists or whoever wants to just come by and see the art there, they have more than enough opportunity to come and do that. I will say we are making a few adjustments on our hours to make it a little bit more accessible for people who just want to come and view the art. So that is to come. Okay. How did you come up with the name of the project? So funny story, the project is 44 murals. When I got the property, I counted the large square spaces and it was 44 square spaces. So I was like, okay, we're gonna call this the 44 murals project. 44 spaces, 44 murals in Atlanta, perfect. That quickly changed because um, creators are creators. You know, they don't need, they'll create art any and everywhere, right? So we started off thinking, assuming that it would only be 44 murals. And currently we're about at 86 murals. So it's double that. So at this point, we're kind of just sticking to the name because that's what we started with at the beginning, but it was a play on words for the amount of murals that we thought that we were gonna have on the property, but it's been way more than that. Uh, what was the selection process for the muralists who participated. So everything was pretty much through either some type of submission or just showing their art. So I also managed the 44 murals Instagram and I also managed the email. So when I first started the project, it was either DM me, like send me a personal message or email me your art. Just I just want to see 
what it is, you know, just your different style and things like that. Um, because we are, we allowed artists to have full control and creative expression. I just wanted to have some type of filter so I could kind of get a concept of where the artist wanted to go with their project. So I could kind of place them because again, this is a family friendly property as well, but not all of the murals I will say fit into the family friendly, which is totally fine, but it just helped us kind of regulate the placement of where artists would be able to set up. Melody, please tell us about your skater alien mural and the inspiration. It is so whimsical and fun. Uh, Thank you. I don't know. I just, I love everything with that kind of subject matter, you know, universal, spiritual things, you know, otherworldly beings, the universe, all that. So this is also my my first mural. So I knew that I wanted to do something regarding Atlanta, you know, the city of Atlanta. So I thought Atelian and that's like the whole concept behind it. It's an Atelian, you know, floating on his cloud of smoke. Sorry about that, Leon. It's not family friendly, I guess. <laughs> I didn't realize that until just now. <laughs> but um, yeah, he's like floating on his cloud of smoke and uh, just looking out through his window at the city of Atlanta and a little ET dude is, is floating above. You know, it's just something I love doing <laughs> often. <laughs> That's uh, how, like, what my art is kind of directed towards a little bit these days. So, yeah. (laughs) You mentioned this is the first large-scale mural you've created. What other type of artwork do you create? I should say it's my first outside mural. When I was a teenager, you know, obviously nothing in my art career or anything, but I, I used to do, like, murals in friends' rooms and my own room, stuff like that. I did, like, a family guy mural in mine, a SpongeBob, like the entire room for one of my friends, you know, stuff like that, sunflowers everywhere. But other than that, I just do a lot of painting, like canvas paintings, colored pencil work, things like that. But after this, like I had so much fun, so much fun. I really want to continue. More murals in your future. Yeah, and spray painting, definitely. <laughs> I want to get into woodworking. Oh, cool. If you are just tuning in, this is City Lights on WABE. I'm Lois Reitz, speaking with the curator of the 44 Murals Project, DeLeon Blakely, along with muralist Melody Thomas. DeLeon, would you highlight and describe a few of the other murals on display? For sure. Like Melanie said, her piece is one of my favorites. It's so big and it's in tune with the things that I like as well. I'm I'm, I'm a sucker for an alien, right? So uh, <laughs> one of, so her mural is, is super, super unique, super cool. We have so many. One of my favorites, we've, we actually have two memorial dedication pieces, right? So two separate artists came out and we actually had a close friend of ours named Mo. He passed away a few years ago. One of our, our friends, they came and they did a nice uh, mural for Mo towards the back of the property. That's one of my favorites. It has Atlanta in the background and like some smoke and just mist. And then it also has uh, Mo's face on it, which I think is really nice that the artist was able to paint, you know, somebody so close to us on the property. There's another huge, there's actually 
two really, really large murals on the property that I like. One is like a yin yang twin Buddha. It's really hard to describe, but it's just the mag- It's just like peace signs and Buddhas and just like very abstract, but intentional. And it takes up, it's probably, I think one of our largest murals on the property. And it is right next to Melanie's actually, but it's, it's, it's huge. It covers the windows and everything like that. Another one that I really like it's called Smiling Death. Doesn't sound the best, but when I say it's it's just really, really cool. It's just like a friendly skeleton on the property, but it's very colorful and it's kind of funny and heartfelt. And then I, I know I'm ranting, but there's another one I would like to highlight as well because he's done two murals on our property so far. I really like the style of his work when he did the first one. So I asked him to come back um, to do another one. Jay Bix. And his style is exaggerated. So he has a collage of fish. Try to, you know, close your eyes and envision this with me. So he has a collage of fish and they're smiling fish. But the smiles are dramatic. So imagine like the widest, happiest smile you could ever see. But it's all in a collage style. So he has two of those on the property, which are pretty neat. But whoever's listening, I just encourage you guys to come to the property. It's just, again, we have over 86 different murals. So I could go on and on describing my favorites, but we'll probably be here all day. (laughs) Well, to that point, the more than 86, do you and your team want to acquire other properties for artists to use as canvases? Yeah. So what we're doing now, you know, 100% transparent, as far as purchasing the property, I won't be moving forward with purchasing properties, but the people that I work with, they are buying a property in Atlanta left and right. So just to kind of piggyback off of that, we have the warehouse property and the name of the warehouse is called Parcel 44. So we have that property in Bankhead. And we also have a residential property um, not too far from the warehouse. And one of our mirrorlists for the project was asked to come and do some artwork for the new resident property. So as as my partner continues to acquire properties, I am so happy that we have this project because this is my source to be able to showcase the artists, the, the wonderful artists that we already work with. So yes, more gigs, more opportunities for our mirrorless to come outside of that warehouse and, and do things and, and gain more clients. We've been in communication with, I guess, Bankhead, and they have several new parks that they've been building. And with that, they want art. So again, more details to come, but we're definitely going to be expanding outside of the warehouse and giving our artists a lot more opportunities to create. Yeah. How does the 44 Murals Project act as a catalyst for future opportunities for these artists? Yeah, for sure. So one thing I will say, the events that we do have, a lot of people who just come, they will look at a mural and say, who is this artist? I have a project or I have an event that I need artists for. I would like this person. Okay, here's the contact for it because I have pretty much, I've created a catalog of all of our muralists who are involved and images of the murals that they've been able to produce on the property. So people will reach out to me and either inquire for artists or have seen their work and just want more details for their side projects. And then I just present them with their information. Yeah. And that's just kind of how that goes. Now that it's warm outside, I'm looking forward to being able to 
lock in as many artists as I can with side projects because that's that was my ultimate goal. Um, I am so appreciative that I won't say all I had to do, but I'm appreciative that all I really had to do was put the word out there and the community showed up, you know, like I think that's the biggest reward for me out of all of this. It kind of gets me teary eyed because mm-hmm. we're not paying these artists. You know what I mean? There was a, a period of time in the beginning when I first started the project and granted when I thought it was only going to be 44 mirrorless where we were providing some paints and providing brushes and, you know, everything that was needed. But, it, you know, the need became a little bit more than what I could handle. But the fact that that didn't bother any of the artists, you know, they were just excited to have a location to express. So as grateful as the artists have been for this opportunity, I am equally, if not more grateful, you know, that the artists involved just did this off the strength of, you know, the project and what we stand for. And even if the artists aren't being paid at this point for the murals, the exposure and the connections you are making for them may lead to sales of smaller scale works. Maybe someone listening would even like to contribute so you could provide paints and brushes. Yeah, for Uh, sure. Slowly but surely, more people are um, asking for for artists to either be a part of events or do side projects for other people. And again, like these are paid opportunities. So if there is anybody listening who is interested in either doing a mural at our warehouse property or just wants information on how they can kind of build their network and lock in other gigs, I would suggest anybody listening to follow our Instagram, which is 44 Murals Project. That's it. No spaces, no no periods, just 44 murals project. I control the Instagram. So if you message me, I am the person responding. And yeah, you know, let's expand. Let's get to it. Let's make these artists some monies. Let, let's expand their network. That's what I'm all about. DeLeon Blakely, curator of the 44 murals project with Melody Thomas, one of the featured artists in the project. You can view more than 80 murals at 1060 Donald Lee Holloway Parkway in Bankhead. More information is on our website, wabe.org slash citylights. In a moment, we'll talk with the creatives behind Atlanta's culture channel, Butter ATL, Brandon Butler and Mike Jordan. Amplifying Atlanta, this is WABE. The field of mental health counseling is growing rapidly, and Richmond Graduate University can equip you with everything you need as a licensed professional counselor while integrating your faith into your clinical practice. Programs are offered in Atlanta, Chattanooga, and online. Apply today at richmont.edu. That's R-I-C-H-M-O-N-T dot E-D-U. You love free, and at Ameris Bank, so do we. That's why we're proud to offer worry-free, hassle-free Ameris Bank free checking. Manage your money your way with convenient access to digital, mobile, and telephone banking, all with no monthly service fee or minimum balance requirements. At Ameris Bank, we're with you. For more information or to open an account, visit our local bankers in person or online at amerisbank.com slash free checking. 
Other fees such as overdraft fees may apply. Ameris Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. This is City Lights on WABE. I'm Lois Reitzes. Thank you for listening. The Atlanta-centric media company and culture channel Butter ATL is providing a vibrant platform for capturing the spirit of the city. Its executive director, Brandon Butler, defines culture as people like us do things like this. Last August, the rapper Ludacris released a single that he titled Butter ATL, showing his support for the organization. He described it as a love letter to the city. Brandon Butler joins me now via Zoom, along with Butter ATL Editor-in-Chief, Mike Jordan. Welcome to City Lights. Thank you so much. Thanks for having us. Oh, my pleasure. Brandon, when you began Butter ATL in 2018, I saw an interview where you spoke about the slow death of print media and the need to envision new kinds of media outlets. How does Butter ATL suit the way people really consume news and culture today? Absolutely. You know, I've worked in the media space for a long time and have worked at, you know, different media companies and brands. And so I've seen it from both sides. I've actually, you know, worked with the AJC and stuff in the past. You know, for me, I kind of think about where we are in today's day and age, right? And the reality is most people, especially in this kind of 25 to 40 year old demographic that we serve, don't necessarily get their news and information from traditional media. Um, They primarily get it from social media and they get it in bite-sized, you know, snackable nuggets. And so for us, we wanted to kind of find a way to meet people where they were at. Again, I actually grew up reading the newspaper. I've, you know, my father subscribed to it and I actually subscribe to the newspaper as well. And while I appreciate, you know, print journalism and and know it still has a space for younger audiences that are a lot more mobile, that are in, in the kind of, as we say, in the day and age after social and mobile are at scale, the idea was just, what if we created content that met them where they at for the platforms they, that they consume content on? And so the idea specifically was at that moment, let's create a media company that really leverages social media and Instagram specifically to help get news and information out. Had we launched it today, maybe we'd be more focused on TikTok. You know, had we launched it 10 years ago, maybe we'd be more of a, a print publication. But I think for us, We've uh, always kind of tried to be platform agnostic and really just try to understand where the audience was at and do things to, to meet them right there. Mike, you've contributed to media all over the world. You co-founded Thrillist and you write for Atlanta Magazine, but also The Guardian and The Wall Street Journal. How did you become involved with Butter ATL? Well, Brandon reached out. He gave me a call. I was at the time serving as the editor-in-chief at Hypopotamus, covering tech and innovation in Atlanta and the Southeast. And we talked about just sort of what his vision for taking Butter into a newsletter in in a much broader media sort of direction. And I was already a fan of what he was doing at Butter. I was actually, prior to Hypopotamus, 
working at V103 as their digital program director. And I was trying to get them to do more things like Butter was doing, just how tapped in it is to Atlanta's specific culture. So all he had to do was just kind of like call me and say, I wanted you. I didn't call anybody else. Let me know if you're interested. I said, yes, it was a very easy decision and I've loved it ever since. It's a really fun job. And it's a place where, again, it's innovative for media. And I love Atlanta so much that being able to talk in the voice that we speak in to the community that we love and that loves us back is just a really extraordinary, special thing. So it's an ideal partnership. But that love for Atlanta just comes through resoundingly from both of you, from everything, really, that Butter does. Mike, much of your writing has been in the area of food. Atlanta, of course, is a food mecca. Writing about the food scene in Butter ATL, as it's so appropriately named. Do you feel like you take a different approach or maybe a more familiar approach, less formal than you might say for Atlanta Magazine? Yes, certainly. Food is a place where, as we were talking uh, last time I was here on City Lights, there's so many stories that can be told through food as a platform and as a storytelling device that we consume anyway. But Butter's audience is as sophisticated as our audience is. We also know that our audience likes, they, they like messaging and communication that meets them where they are. So where we know they are is in just plain old loving the city without an, an extraordinarily high level definition of what's on the menu at a place. And we're also looking for those innovative ideas and kind of scrappy startups. So we wrote about a place called Fuse Pies, which the gentleman was taking orders off social media and had bought himself an at-home oven set up for a pizza oven that got up to high degrees and had a whole payment platform to where you pay him, you show up in his apartments, he gives you your pizza and it's completely random and wild, but very good pizza. And that's one of those things where I don't see Fuse Pies hitting Atlanta Magazine's best new restaurants list. But for Butter ATL, that's the kind of thing that the storytelling comes through and shines in a only in Atlanta sort of way. So certainly we we definitely want to highlight a lot of the veganism and vegetarianism and all the great ethnic restaurants we have all over the city, but we want to do it in a way where everyone is invited to the table and without excluding anyone for lack of class, race, age, anything that could be sort of a demographic challenge at certain places that really tap into who their audiences are. Butter just says, as long as you love Atlanta, you can come and sit and have some lemon pepper wings with us. Very inclusive. Brandon, I've enjoyed reading about your personal story. You've moved through some interesting chapters. You studied physics in college, Brainiac? <laughs> I did. <laughs> yeah, and then IT, you worked in radio for several years, and then you ran a brick-and-mortar website design store in North Lake Mall. 
Would you tell us how your history led to butter? And does butter come from butler? <laughs> well, I get asked that often. And again, as much as I would you know, love to take the credit for it, I, I did not name butter after, <laughs> after myself. It does not come from butler. It's just a strange coincidence in how the universe you know, makes things work out. But I'll, I'll take it. It was really just a name that we you know, kind of came up with as we were brainstorming, you know, we wanted to think of something that just kind of quintessentially spoke of Atlanta. And I don't remember all the rest of the names, but I do remember when we, when we kind of threw the name butter out there, uh, it was something about it that made sense, you know, whether it was the idea that butter makes everything better, you know, when you're churning butter, the cream rises to the top, yeah. even the color, you know, I mean, butter has always been kind of founded in this idea of creativity. So even just the color scheme really kind of stood out. And so that was kind of the, the vision behind it. You know, as far as my journey, I always say, you know, you can only connect the dots looking backwards. I think that mm. I definitely started off with the desire to get deep into technology. I was studying physics and engineering, then pivoted into technology and did that. But I'd always kind of had a love actually for radio. You know, at one point, I really wanted to be the next Ryan Cameron. Um, he was somebody I really looked up to growing up in the city, interned for him when he was back at, you know, 97.5 back in the day. And, you know, that was really where I wanted to go. And so what ended up happening was, you know, I ended up being able to use my technology background to kind of get my foot in the door in the radio space. And I learned kind of quickly that while radio was good, one, I had never really heard myself recorded before. And that was a little bit of a shock, you know, to hear how I sounded on tape. So I said, uh, maybe this radio thing isn't for me. But what I really learned was my skill set and my background in technology really unique in that space at the time. A lot of these radio stations around the time that I got involved were trying to pivot to more online streaming and, and trying to pivot to doing more things around content. And, you know, Facebook had just launched and so social media was a thing. And so my technology background really allowed me to kind of get into some new and interesting spaces and really provide a lot of value in a lot of different areas. And so I think, yeah, as I kind of look backwards over my career, I think I definitely would not have been able to do some of the things we've done at Butter had I not had all the different experiences I had, whether it was, again, working in, you know, a corporate IT tech center that taught me how to build websites. And, you know, I stood up the Butter website and all of our kind of technology infrastructure all the way down to some of the ways that we, you know, create content, as we say, content and speed of culture comes from working in other agencies and at radio stations where we had to turn things around the same day. And so the, the advice I always kind of give people is, early in your career, try to be shallow and wide, try to kind of get as many different experiences as possible. And then when you find the things that you really enjoy doing, that you really have a talent and a skill for doing, those are the things you want to kind of go narrow and deep on. And so for me, I've um, just always tried to kind of follow my passions and Butter is kind of the, the culmination of just so many great experiences on top of just growing up here in Atlanta. I think that was another one of the big parts that just made it so special is we always say Atlanta doesn't get to tell its own stories. And, you know, somebody like me that grew up in and around the city and has just seen this place evolve even before the Olympics and, and kind of been here pretty much my whole life. I was just really excited to kind of start to find ways to showcase that from a content standpoint. So, yeah, it's been a really interesting journey. Brandon, listening to you speak about shallow and wide and where you've gone that could be a great commencement speech. Have you been asked to speak at any graduations? Funny enough, I actually, I actually have had a couple of people reach out. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to dig into that. If, if I do get the opportunity, I will make sure to, to incorporate that in there because everybody thinks their career is going to kind of go one way. And 
for me, I've just really tried to kind of collect experiences along the way. And again, it's been challenging at times, but, you know, as I look back on it, there's just, we've learned so many different things. And I think that's something that I really would push people that want to come up in whatever space to just, again, try to collect as many experiences as possible before, you know, other elements of life start getting involved. So that you really find those things that you have a real talent and a passion for. And then when you find it, double down, go all in. Hmm. If you are just joining us, this is City Lights on WABE. I'm Lois Wrights, speaking with Butter ATL founder Brandon Butler and the Culture Channel's editor-in-chief, Mike Jordan. This is for both of you. Butter ATL's news department is called The Churn. What's special about The Churn in terms of new media outlets and representing your particular audience? Well, what's special about it is we know that there had been a shift to the newsletter format. We were seeing, you know, the sub stacks of the world. And of course, MailChimp is based right here in Atlanta. And, you know, obviously it just got purchased by Intuit, but that's an Atlanta born and bred unicorn company that's done extraordinarily well. So we knew that that was a medium by which people were deciding that's how they wanted to consume information. The key is that there's so much going on in Atlanta. There's just every single thing from it being a cultural mecca that has a 33% Black population, has film and TV tax credits that hit a record, what, $1.2 billion, I believe. Airbnb just opened this new tech hub here. Microsoft is expanding in Atlanta, all over the West Side. We've got our first Jewish senator and our first Black U.S. senators, uh, Raphael Warnock and John Ossoff, all these HBCUs, all this tech, World Series champs, hip-hop. It goes on and on and on. But without a local voice, you can kind of get that caught up through a lot of national media. And having written for national and international media, I know that many people get the story of Atlanta wrong in a way that they don't mean to miss the details. But Atlanta is a city you have to put your feet on the ground, taste, smell, see, and feel to understand. And so that was where we saw the opportunity to make a newsroom that followed sort of a basic premise that if you love Atlanta, you're one of our people. And there's no place that we can't go. There's no place we won't go. We don't live in any sort of bubble in Atlanta. The whole thing, 285 in and out, I would say we might stop at Suwanee. That that might be a little too deep <laughs> for us. But, uh, we know, we, we're very much in tune to what the audience expects from us. And we keep that channel open of engagement through the social media channel so that we can always know where we're landing and, and how folks are receiving and how they're appreciating our stories. And that gives us outlets to speak to people like Mayor Andre Dickens, who just spoke to us a couple of weeks ago, as well as Amaretta the Great, the young female rapper who blew the world up with her Not Atlanta song, Sorry Not Sorry. You can get those two different sides of the room, but it's a respected cultural voice and boombox for the entire city and everyone in and out of Atlanta that loves Atlanta. I watched both of those conversations and loved them. I gotta say, Omaretta was quite something. And Mike, your East Point pride, you know, it came through clear. It was great. 
East Point was the only city that wasn't named in the song also. I was very proud of that. I'm in East Point and it, East Point did not get a hashtag not Atlanta. So I'm, I'm proud of my little suburb inside the perimeter. <laughs> I'm still ITP, everybody. Well, and hey, we can't explain whoever did the urban planning or the lack of planning decades and decades ago that makes everybody's postal address say Atlanta, even if you don't live inside of the city limits. So everybody can take pride, but her song is hilarious. And I got to say, the conversation with Mayor Dickens really spoke to an issue close to the heart for many of us, which is authenticity. The city changes so much, so quickly. What do you consider Atlanta authenticity, and how can we maintain it? Yeah, I mean, I think authenticity is something that is super important to, as we always say, the culture of Atlanta. I'm all for Armoretta and Not Atlanta. I think it's a catchy song, but, you know, as long as you love Atlanta, you don't necessarily have to be, have been born at Grady or Georgia Baptist to, you know, have love for the city. If anything, authenticity is just being, you know, honest with yourself about what you love about the city and what you want to contribute to it. And I think it, it just means a lot of different things. Everybody wants to kind of put different people in different boxes to kind of help figure out, you know, where they stand and where they kind of go with things. But, you know, again, the reality is, authentic is, is really kind of a one-on-one -on -one connection, right? Like, how are you making those one-on-one -on -one connections to the, the, the voice of the city, the stories, the, the, the people love, you know, the people that are kind of moving Atlanta? You know, we always say with Butter, it's about highlighting the kind of the modern people and places and things that are shaping modern-day Atlanta, because we want to give people an opportunity to be seen, to feel seen, to be heard, and to be represented. As Mike kind of spoke to, we always like to kind of look in between the lines a little bit. So, yeah, you're not going to necessarily see the hottest restaurant in Atlanta that has a 10-month waiting list to get in featured, but there are like so many stories like Pew Pies and just so many people that we can kind of find that are falling between the cracks in traditional media. I think when you, the sum total of all those stories is what authenticity is, and that's kind of Butter's love letter to Atlanta is saying it's not just the big names, celebrities, and, and rappers that you think you heard of because some national publication covered Atlanta but we're highlighting people that are really hit boots on the ground, impacting the city on a day-to-day -day basis. And I think even just the um, intentionality in which we find people to, to highlight, find places to highlight shows just that authenticity for Atlanta. We feature local businesses, you know, we're doing, you know, business guides for different events. And again, it's just, again, the sum total of all of those different connections and experiences, I think, give a, a really good picture of what's authentic Atlanta, because on the flip side, there's just a lot of stuff out there that's, that's negative. And that's not the entire story for the city. I mean, every city has challenges and, and I don't think we're, we're definitely not avoiding those things. We definitely approach them head on, but if all you're showing is car windows being broken into, that's not authentically Atlanta. There's so many amazing, wonderful things that are happening here. So many you know, amazing companies are moving large portions of their business if not their headquarters and relocating here. That's happening for a reason. Um, and I think, again, like all of those those stories kind of told together start to paint a much more authentic picture of Atlanta than just one micro piece of content. Indeed. On that authenticity note, and this is just the tiniest pet peeve of mine because I wasn't 
born and raised here, but I've lived here two-thirds of my life and am very proud to be an Atlantan. Does it bother you when people from the North say y'all? It seems like everybody has, you know, adopted, co-opted, whatever, y'all. That's hilarious. <laughs> I think that's cultural appropriation, don't you? I don't. <laughs> it's funny because I have seen people saying it. What's actually funny, though, is when I actually have friends that are in the North, I've actually been on the, it's funny, I've been on the phone with them before, and I remember one call, I was talking to just one guy on the phone, and I kept saying, y'all, and he stopped me, and he said, it's just me on the phone, like, who else are you talking to? And I said, I'm talking to y'all, all of y'all, like, everybody <laughs> who can hear me, so, as we, as we always say, though, culture is Atlanta's number one export, and I think when you see people using terms like y'all, and different things like that, shouty, and talking about lemon pepper wings, you just see Atlanta's impact on, on culture at scale and just how much people really love the city, even if they're, even they don't want to, even want to fully admit it. <laughs> I really just don't call it hot Atlanta. Butter ATL founder, Brandon Butler, and Mike Jordan, Butter ATL's editor-in-chief. We'll be back with more of our conversation in just a moment. Amplifying Atlanta, this is WABE. This is City Lights on WABE. I'm Lois Wrights. It's great to have you along. Let's return to my conversation with Brandon Butler and Mike Jordan of Butter ATL. Here, Butler explains how community activism plays a part in their online projects. I think when you're dealing with news and information, the story presents itself in many ways. And the story of recent history in Atlanta is, of course, as we saw in the elections, the political map is changing colors. So within that truth, there are people who are making those things happen. And those people are driven by a cause that they see as greater than themselves. And I've always been someone who looks at everything from as much of a balanced perspective for the audience as possible. I am a trained journalist and I do hashtag hardcore journalism. And I also do hashtag content. And I look at things and say, Everything that I'm into and everything that I feel is not always the most relevant to someone who I would love to sit down and have a conversation with, but a lot of these people would never actually get together if you don't give them some type of common ground of just basic, good, true, and honest information. With what we talk about in terms of the political sphere and activism and what has happened over the last few years in Atlanta from the election of Governor Kemp to the rematch that's coming this year between Purdue, Kemp, and also Stacey Abrams, is that there are a lot of feelings wrapped up in this. And I would love for people, even in the activist community, to sit down and say, let's not miss the issues here. What do these people stand for? And that's not an easy thing to do, especially when your audience loves culture. You have to find ways to make things, I guess, edible, and not just, you know, digestible. 
because you know digestion is a kind of difficult thing you're putting it through all these process first we just need you to sit down and eat and as you hear i make a lot of food references i'm eating all the time but it really is more about our audience will let us know when something is important we'd like to cover those things but butter is not i would say politically leaning one necessary way or the other but we do fall on the side of morality so when something is going on and we see that and the whole city can see that, then we're not going to shy away or cover our heads in the sand when we know that something is going on and when the information is there to back up what we're reporting. And there's definitely moments, I mean, you know, the presidential election was a, was a big moment, even as Mike just spoke to, like one of the moments that even coming off of uh, all the, you know, the racial unrest and the justice movement that happened, one of the things that we did really quickly was spin up resources to help provide, as I kind of call it, like a record of truth and information to help people be, become active, but do it in a safe way. We actually created a the Now Atlanta text hotline, which is something we literally just launched in the middle of all that that said, you know what, if you're going to go vote, here are resources for voting guides. Here are places that you can go vote. If you're going to go join in some of the protests that are going on the marches, here's a list of safer protests and marches that you can go get involved in. We've always been very big on any time an election is coming up, driving people to vote early is always a big thing, especially with our audience to say, you know, don't wait until the last moment. So it's always looking for those moments to provide value, to remind people that there are bigger things that we should all be focused on. And, and to Mike's point, to also help make sure that people understand the facts, understand where these different candidates are coming from, and, and to kind of give them just, you know, the information that they need or to put it in front of them so they can kind of make the best informed decision. To Mike's point, I'm, we're, we don't lean one way or the other. I think we do focus on morality and the right thing. And I'm all about, here's all the information. You know, you make your best choice. I just ask that people do get engaged and stay active. And so we've launched a number of resources over the years that have helped empower people. And we plan to continue to do that every time the opportunity presents itself. Very important. Mike, there's a very contemporary, or maybe I should say immediate type of realism to some of the churn's features. You recently did a piece on Delta ATHC presenting a straightforward beginner's guide to the psychoactive and legal cousin to cannabis. Your interview was conducted with all the participants under its influence. I'm curious to know how that went. And also, why is the cannabis issue so important to Atlanta? Well, I think some of the Delta 8 is still wearing out of my system right now. So we'll have to see. <laughs> we did all make sure that everyone got enough in the system. We timed that out to kind of make sure that we could see where the conversation went. But it was very fun. And it was something that, to me, and we talked about this, of course, before we went ahead and did the idea and made it happen. But this is a conversation where there's a larger of course, national and international conversation around the legalization of cannabis. And there is a social justice, there's an economic justice, there's all of this conversation. And a lot of times, because not everyone may know who Commissioner Gary Black is, but Georgia is an agricultural state. And it's a sort of, as we know from voting recently, it, it has some progressive leanings, especially Atlanta, 
for the state of Georgia. So we've seen decriminalization here. We've seen that the culture of, you know, colleges, the culture of hip hop, the culture of all types of creativity. There's been cannabis consumption for medical and adult use recreation for a very, very, very long time. And I think we're at a place where not only are you seeing a nuanced thought process of how we can responsibly make this something that has been normalized if we do all of the safeguarding and all of the things that need to be in place before this is just released. But when you see something like a Delta 8 THC, it's part of that conversation to say, wait, how does this work? And I was thinking to myself, it would sure be useful for someone who may be hesitant walking into a place to purchase something with a receipt and be completely free of all legal troubles from our understanding. But they may have not really someone explain that to them in a way that is easy to understand and you get to see what happens live on the video which we shot. I don't know if you noticed at the end though, I kind of had a complete laughing fit meltdown and that <laughs> that was a completely legitimate thing. I could not <laughs> stop laughing. It was hilarious and it was fun, but that's participatory journalism. In the spirit of Hunter Thompson. My favorite author, my favorite author. Really? Yeah, I have a big uh, painting of him that I bought from Acapella Books of big Hunter Thompson. Oh wow, when I met my husband, I remember him talking about why he loved that Hunter Thompson was able to find something to talk about with Richard Nixon because they both love baseball. Anyway, I digress. In 2021, you undertook a collaboration with the Crystal Restaurant brand to create a hip-hop music, art, and history experience inside the Northside Drive Crystal location called Crystal by Butter. What did visitors experience? That whole approach, that whole collaboration was, again, all about creating just a celebration of Atlanta. At the time, Crystal had recently moved their headquarters to Atlanta, relocated from Tennessee, and were interested in ways to kind of authentically connect with the culture through some relationships, we started having those conversations and ultimately kind of settled on what if we just built our own landmark, you know, thinking about the big chicken or just like other elements of Atlanta that are just places that you want to stop by when you come out here. We said, what if we actually created one ourselves? And so it was all about, again, how can we really create something that's authentic to the city and just steep it in so many of the things that Butter talks about, as we always say, this love letter element that is authentic Atlanta culture. You know, music is a big part of it, obviously, especially, you know, hip hop, rap music, but there's also history, you know, there's also the colleges, whether it's the HBCUs and the AUC or Georgia Tech and Georgia State or Coca-Cola, just really finding ways to kind of rekindle that passion in partnering with Crystal and that collaboration. And so we worked with all local artists. We hired a, a Black female-led production company to help build us out, to help build out the space with us. And really just wanted, again, to, even from the teams and people that we worked with, wanted to be super intentional about every square inch of that location. So, you know, we really just want to get people in there, rekindle their passion, let them know that Crystal was here and they're authentically connecting with folks, you know, in collaboration with Butter. And the reception for it was amazing. A lot of people had kind of passed by that restaurant before they hadn't necessarily seen or, or stopped by there anytime soon, but it gave people a reason to stop by. Andre Dickens, the night he became mayor, his first meal, he literally pulled up to the Crystal 
and ordered through the drive through. I remember he sent me a text message and said, "Hey, man, this is my first meal as mayor." Oh, and so you you know when moments like that happen, you know you've done something special. We just hope that you know those kind of things continue to be people remember Butter for is again just doing things that um have kind of become a fabric of Atlanta culture. Butter ATL founder Brandon Butler and Mike Jordan, Butter ATL's editor in chief. More information about Butter ATL is on our website, wabe.org. Congratulations to the Otis Redding Foundation, True Colors Theater Company, Deep Center Incorporated, and Balethnic Dance Company, four Georgia-based BIPOC arts organizations that received significant funding from the nonprofit South Arts. The grants are part of a four-year initiative with the South Arts inaugural Southern Cultural Treasures Cohort, created to foster a more equitable arts community in the region. The program is expected to run through March 2025, with each organization receiving up to $300,000 for general operating expenses and additional project grants of up to $7,500. You've been listening to City Lights, our daily exploration of arts and culture. Tomorrow at 11 a.m., the writer and producer behind Hotel Portofino. The visually sumptuous show airs Sundays on WABE-TV. City Light senior producer is Kim Trobes. Summer Evans is our producer and our engineer is Shelley Canavy. I'm your host, Lois Reitzes, and we want you to connect with City Lights on social media. We're at WABE City Lights on Facebook and Instagram, and you can follow me on Twitter at L-O-I-S-R-E-I-T-Z-E-S. Thanks for listening to WABE Atlanta. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. The world is full of mysteries. Are ghosts real? Is that yogurt expired? Hey, the unknown can be scary. But when you donate to WABE, you know where your money is going. Your gift supports the journalism that keeps you informed and the programs that pull back the curtain on complicated stories. Help us make the world less mysterious. Become a member now. Go online to wabe.org slash donate. And thanks.